And so this afternoon, I want us to uh, take a diversion, a man from the Sermon on the Mount, and look at another passage of Scripture by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And we will find that passage in the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 16. The Gospel according to Luke, chapter 16. And when you um, reach the gospel according to Luke chapter 16, I ask that we uh, lay our eyes on verses 19 through 31. 19 through 31. Amen. Amen. The gospel of Luke chapter 16 starting at verse 19, a very familiar passage, you will find these words. And would everyone um, please stand if you're able to stand for the reading of God's word. Amen? Amen. In verse 19, we find the Lord our Savior saying these words, Jesus Christ saying, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Mm. So it was that the beggar died Mm. and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. Mm. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, He lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Amen. And so we see, and then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that they may dip, that he may dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, 
that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers that he may testify to them lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded the one rise from the dead. Amen. And this afternoon, I want to speak with you from the thoughts where the road to nowhere actually leads. Where the road to nowhere actually leads. Thank you for standing for our Lord's word. Amen. And this afternoon, this particular parable that Jesus is teaching in the ears of the Pharisees causes the Pharisees to become angry because the Pharisees were lovers of money. And so therefore not becoming repentant, seeing themselves to change, to be more like what God would want them to be, they derided him. They talk crazy to him. They, they talk rough to Jesus because in their hearts, they were full of excess and distortion. Amen. But in every person's life, you can't be so hard on the Pharisees because we're all dealing with something. We're all dealing with some area of our lives that we just don't want to let go of. That is not pleasing to God. We're all dealing with stuff and for the Pharisees they were lovers of money. But Paul the Apostle made it clear to us that the love of money is the root of all evil. And if we become Bible readers and New Testament scholars, what we will find is all manners of evil came out of the religious leaders of Jesus' day because they loved money. And if you really look close, at the end of the day, they even killed Jesus himself. He didn't They didn't take his life. He gave it freely, but yet it was still murder. Amen. Amen. And so when we when we deal with our text today, we 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 want to um, look at this whole idea of where the road to nowhere leads. I, I have preached this passage on many occasions in many venues, but today I, I want to take a different perspective on this text. But I believe it to still be um, interpretatively correct 
and homiletically correct. Amen. But I, I want to look at the nowhere. And, and when we look at this text, the first nowhere, it is nowhere in this text does Jesus mention any amount of money. Well. Nowhere in this text does he say how much money the rich man had. I like this. I, I, I like the way Jesus has done this. Because if Jesus had a said he had 5,000 shekels of silver or 50,000 or 500,000 shekels of silver, then we would be able to put a pen on the poster board and say, you're rich and you're poor. But Jesus wrote this in such a way that richness has relativity. It does say that the man was arrayed in purple. Amen? But any of us can wear some purple, can't we? I got a purple shirt that I like to wear with my black suit. Amen? Amen. So that doesn't determine whether you're rich or poor. I mean, some of us in here right now have got a little purple running through our clothes. Does that make us rich? Well, that person would probably say, no. Amen. We would probably say, in this room, none of us are rich. Amen. But it's based on our preconceived notion of what rich is. Are y'all following me today? Amen. So let's, let's take a journey here for a minute. And deal with this very poignant issue. Richness. The reality, rich is relative. When the political pundits of the United States of America was pointing the finger at Wall Street and saying there's the 1% and everybody else is the 99, do we really know Is everybody in Wall Street rich? Do we really know what their bank accounts are like? But it's like anything else. We like the stereotype. We like to be able to put a pin or or, or put a tag on the donkey's tail. Amen? And then that opened up a whole new venue for folks to demonize a certain set of people. But I contend to you today that they could do that with any one of us today. As a matter of fact, everybody in here has that same handicap because we are citizens of the United States of America. Do you not know that the world looks at the United States as those rich bougie folks who think they can come wherever they want to come and do whatever they want to do because they from America. So we can all fall into this category if we're not careful. But then that opens up something for us that puts responsibility on our shoulders that we may not have noticed is there. Because if we look 
at our poverty line, what the United States calls poverty line. Let's say, hypothetically right now, without the figures in my head, let's say that's $14,000 a year. That is the governmental approved poverty line. I don't know about you, but um, I, if there's some, and I believe there are, that are living in the city of Kansas City at that level, some of them are living relatively good. They are receiving food stamps and WIC and other aid from the government. And I, I don't know about you, but if you have been in Price Chopper sometime or even Hen House and those who have these, uh, uh, if you will, these supplements to make it, Sometimes their buggies are more full than ours. And I'm looking over in their buggy thinking, can I go home with you? Or can I trade my buggy for yours? Amen? So, so everything here is relative. Amen? It's relative. So when we look at us in the United States, some of us that are in those numbers as far as housing is concerned, as far as socioeconomic level, we're living pretty good. If we're in the, some of them in the hood, their house is paid for, they're driving a nice car, they got a 50-inch TV screen in the house. Yeah, they're inside the inner city, but that ain't bad living when you relate that to the rest of the world. How about living in Siberia? Huh, how about being in that desolation? Amen. How about being in the slums of India? In the slums of India, there are folks living and children are playing in sewage. There are children who eat along with the dogs. Which brings us back to our text with Lazarus. The dogs came and licked his sword. But see, God... Is such a merciful God, even in his life of pain and suffering, God sent by something to help him out. Amen. When the rich man that had all those resources, whatever they may have been, it was more than what Lazarus had, and each one of us has more than that child that's playing in the sewage in India. Can you imagine that you wake up in the morning in a out of a shanty house is made out of cardboard that's been mingled and mucked in the mire of that filthy, stinky soil and that's where you live to stay out of the elements but when you wake up your playground is sewage I think everybody in here and everybody in the United States is looking pretty rich now amen and so, so now we must consider our own stance in life Throw away our preconceived notions about all oh, that terrible rich man. Because yes. that terrible rich man can be you and me. If we are taking our resources and being selfish and not looking to help somebody who's down below we are, then we are just as sinful as this man here is. So we got to watch ourselves. You got to guard in your heart. Just because you may be black and live in 64131, 64132, 64130. Does not mean that you have an exemption. 
Whether you live in Johnson County or Lee Summit or north of the river, none of that matters if you take what you have, knowing that there's others in greater need than you and don't share out of it. Amen. So that's where our first nowhere comes from. Our first nowhere gets us real straight when it comes to rich and poor. So I know I'm at a responsibility level, amen, as a rich man. And I need to be careful that I'm doing something for those who are less fortunate than I. And so we should as a church. And we are even more than a socioeconomic level because we have the greatest gift that ever was given. And his name is Jesus. And Jesus didn't even stop there with his death, burial, and resurrection. But he said, I'm going back to the Father. And when he went back to the Father, he said, I'm sending the comforter. See, there's some rich folks out there, as we call it, that are living in the millionaire range, but they ain't got no peace. They got no joy. They got no happiness. And they don't have a source in which to receive it because they don't have the Lord. Nowhere where the road to nowhere leads. So as we look at our text, I want you to to look at the idea that nowhere in here is God pleading with the rich man to do the right thing. Nowhere in here do we see God's come down in the form of a theophany, amen, or Christophany in the form of any man-like image and speak in audible tone to say, hey, rich man, there's a beggar out there at your gate and I need you to do right about him. No, Lord don't need to do that. And he's not going to either. The Lord has left his word. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Thank you, Reverend. He said, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. When they asked the question, they said, when when have we not fed you? When have we not clothed you? When we've not visited you in prison? He said, when you have done it to the least of these, you have done it to me. When you've done it to those who are dejected, those who are disenfranchised, those who are left on the outside, you've done it to the Lord. Where the road to nowhere leads. So nowhere in here, amen, do we find that. So we got to be careful. We got to be careful that we waiting on the Lord to come and audibly tell us what we need to be doing. Saints, we have, and I've been guilty of this myself, we have set up in, in, in academic surroundings, you know, our comfortable spots where we can receive the word and discuss the word and uh, analyze the word and uh, uh, pontificate on the word and do all the stuff we do in our co- comfortable areas and sitting in our pews, in our chairs, in our surroundings, and we haven't thought practically about this. And we say, well, before I get ready to do that, I got to make sure that the Lord uh, has told me that I'm supposed to do that. He already told you. He's telling you in his word. How many times he got to do it? I mean, does he got to send special pigeons and stuff? Where is in the word? He said, sell that what you have and give to the poor. 
It's here in the Word. All through the 66 books of the Bible, it's about those who have given to those who have not so that there is an equality. Second Corinthians talks about that heavily around the 8th and the ninth chapter. He spends a whole chapter talking about this equality, about sharing with one another. But we get so selfish and then we try to find excuses for why we ain't doing what we're supposed to be doing in the Lord. He don't need to come down in a whirlwind again like he talked with Job. Job didn't have the canon of scripture like we got, but we got the whole thing. We got all his story and 66 other, I mean 65 other books to go with it. Now how much word do we need to figure out what we're supposed to be doing? Amen? Amen. So, so as we look at our text, I, I, I hope you guys can see that, that even though I'm taking a different direction, that I am exegeting this text. I am staying in the text, but giving you another look at it, giving you another perspective that I believe the Holy Spirit is using to move us, is using to exhort us to good works. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, so when we look at our text, we also see that nowhere does this story mention reincarnation, or anything like it. There is a popular notion in the American culture that, um, yeah, you know, when I die, you know, I, I, think, I think I might come back as a cat. Really? Oh, well, you know, in, instead of coming back as, a, as an American, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll come back as a Persian or, 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 or Russian or... or, or Maybe I'll, I'll come back as a, I don't know, I'll may, maybe come back as a orangutan. Where in God's word does it talk anything about reincarnation completely? And it sure ain't nothing in this text. But there's something different is going on in this text, any saints? Sister West Pauly, I see that there's a destination for us that's got nothing to do with coming back to this world. And there is a finality in that transition. Because if you look at the text, the rich man wanted to go back, but he knew he couldn't. And Lazarus might have wanted to go, but he could not. And Abraham, in this story, represents God. Let me let let you know about Jewish history and relating to Abraham. You do know that they considered Abraham the father of the nation. Amen. And Abraham was in covenant with God. And God said, those who bless you, Abraham, I will bless. And those who curse you, Abraham, I will curse. And so this text shows this, the covenant, and it also shows the extension into Abraham's ambassadorship to God. So now Father Abraham is in the role of one who has knowledge, who doesn't have just a little knowledge, but all knowledge, because he was able to say, no, it won't make a difference. If I send Lazarus back, no, because they have Moses and the prophets. See, they have Moses and the prophets. Because God sent Moses and the prophets as the messengers to tell mankind what thus saith the Lord. And so fortunate we are 
to have those very words bound together and knitly tightened together in what we call the canon of scripture and known as the Bible. So he's saying, no, we don't need nothing that spectacular. If they won't receive this, my word, from my prophets, from my preachers, from my teachers, they won't receive it from one even if he comes back from the dead. Now that's a sad commentary. Because the sad commentary comes in is that there's no reincarnation or anything like it. That once you die from this place, you're going to be waiting on judgment. Amen. And I, I like what I saw in this text regarding that transition too. Because I believe in 1 Corinthians is where we find the text that says it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. Uh, when you die from this place, you're not coming back. There's, there's no, uh, this is not a rehearsal and, and, and you're going to get another chance. There's not act one and then there's act two. You got one chance to do it right. While the blood is running warm in your vein. Right now, while it is today, harden not your hearts. While it is today, because when night cometh, Jesus said, no man can do any work. So that, so that ought to give us an urgency to get about the Father's business and not be selfish about the things that we want and try to be looking to see what we can do for somebody else. I mean, after all, the way we live, most times we are able to, if we budget right, if we look at everything, there's a lot of money that we leave on the table or there's a lot of money that we waste, even at any level, because that's just how this culture is set up. But we're not from this culture. Remember, we're kingdom citizens and our kingdom is from a different place. Our kingdom and our laws and how we operate should be 100%, 180% opposite of the world. So now we realize that in this text, two things happened. No reincarnation, none of that. No cats, no dogs, no coming back as Russians and, you know, and Russians coming back as Americans. None of that. But, 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 the, but the rich man, hold on, let's let look at Lazarus first. When Lazarus died, God started showing mercy and grace on him immediately. But I believe God started it way before that. But that's another story. But right when he died, the angels took him to the bosom of Abraham. See, when you, when you get to the bosom of Abraham, that's where the fullness of joy and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. But I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about this other gentleman because he died also. And there wasn't no angels there to pick him up. There was no angels to put him in the, in the, in the holy limousine, the celestial limousine to take him to glory. But he raised up his eyes in hell. This word Hades, they would understand this word as the word Sheol in the Greek. They would understand this word as Sheol and it was a holding place where the dead would be. But in this case, see the Jewish tradition and the culture and belief was when you die, there was one or two places you go to hold and to be waiting until judgment. You either go to Abraham and go to the presence of, 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 of bliss, not the presence of the Lord, but bliss, or you end up in this holding place of torment. 
So Jesus is just coming to them just like they're thinking. But the reality is that's not how it really works. Because the Bible says for the believer to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When you die in the Lord, you immediately go to God. Jesus told the thief, he said, this day you will be in paradise. When the thief said, remember me when you get to your kingdom, he said, this day you will be in paradise. So when that thief died, his soul went immediately to be with the Lord. But the but those who don't trust him and those who don't obey him end up in a place of torment from the very beginning, separated from God from a, a big chasm, one that is uncrossable. They stuck. I heard a song one time when he was talking about, yeah, me and my homeboys, when we when we die and go to hell, we're going to get our 40s and we're going to be drinking our 40s and, and, and staying cool in the heat. Oh, they done lied to themselves. Because the Bible clearly lets us know that in the outer darkness, there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. It is a fiery hot place, but yet it's dark at the same time. Darkness representing separation and no fellowship. They ain't going to be hanging out with your homeboys and talking about, ooh, it's hot in here. No, you're going to be eternally separated by yourself. There ain't going to be any camaraderie because that is a blessing from God. So we got a lot of work to do. We got got to get about the business. We got folks going to this place, y'all. Because hell is real. I know we just got through with this, this film that was out in a, in a best-selling book that said heaven is real. But I'm more concerned that hell is real. Because the Bible says the road of destruction is wide. Hell has enlarged herself because of the hardness of men's heart. So those who know the Lord Jesus, we got to get in a hurry. Because folks is getting out of here and they don't know if tomorrow will be their last day. Amen? Amen. So in our text, my final nowhere is the nowhere that says there is any way out of Sheol. Any way out of this holding place. Nothing in here shows us that after he seemingly became repentant. Doesn't it seem like in this text that the rich man after he got there, he he became humble, didn't he? He now in a position where he needs somebody else, didn't he, Reverend? And then he's starting to look around and see his situation and his heart is starting, seem like it's softening and now he's concerned about his brothers. He wasn't concerned about them when he was alive. Evidently, he was probably there with them and they were laughing together, eating on some chicken legs and turkey legs and and looking down at Lazarus saying, look at that beggar down there. He look a mess, don't he? (laughs) Spitting out food. But now, he want to get right. He want to, but what about my brothers? I mean, when you go back and tell them, no, they got Moses and the prophets. They being told, but they ain't receiving it. And if they don't receive my word through my prophets, then they ain't going to receive it as one comes from the dead. See, see, sometimes we think if we can just get a sign, 
If God can just send the right kind of lightning down here, if God can send the right person back from the grave, then people will start changing. People will start accepting the Lord. But God said, uh-uh, not them hearts. Them hearts ain't going to change even when you have something fantastic that occurs because they didn't change with my word. There's nothing more fantastic than the word of God because the Holy Spirit operates on the word of God. And that's God himself. The Lord is the spirit and people still rejecting him and doing what they want to do. So saints of God, as I close, amen, I just want to encourage us to be mindful of our positions and not to be deceived by our hearts in believing that we are in no position to help anybody else and perceive that we've been selfish about what we have when there's always somebody who's worse off than we are. And that time is short. Man born of a woman is full of trouble, Job said. I love that book of Job, amen. And he gets it clear that, hey, we don't know if tomorrow's promised, but while we still got blood one and warm in our veins, we got to get about the Father's business because there are friends and loved ones, there are folks and strangers that's on their way to this same place where this rich man is gone. But the Bible goes on further than that when we get into Revelations chapter 20, 21, and 22 to find out that there is a great white throne. And that all those who are in hell are in the dead in Hades will come up from there and they shall be judged. And that God is going to have the books open. And he's going to be looking at the books and then he's going to look at the book. And when he looks at the book, he's looking at the book of life. And if your name is not written in that book, you are going to everlasting torment. That's what concerns me right there, saints of God. Because we don't want nobody to go. Jesus didn't because Jesus cared about us so much that he died one Friday for you and me. The Bible said his love was so much that the God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that the whosoever's would believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm telling you hell is real but this is what happens on the road to nowhere. This is where it leads. But today I'm celebrating our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The one who came down through 40 and two generations. That same Jesus who living he loved us. Dying he saved us. Buried he carried our sins far away. Rising he justified and freed us forever. And one day, one day he's coming back. One glorious day. Praise the name of the Lord because one of these old days the trumpet shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise and they that remain shall be caught up in the air. We shall be changed in that great coronation. But while we walk on this earth, let us continue to do good for the Lord. Let us tell women, men, boys, and girls about the good news of Jesus Christ, about his death, burial, and resurrection, about the faith in him that leads to everlasting life. And one of these days, you and those who receive that word shall be in the presence of the Lord. 
church are open. If there is somebody here who needs to know this Jesus, you can know him right now. The door is open. can come to Jesus right now. Thank you, Sister Christie. Amen. For taking us to the throne of grace in song. Amen. If there is anybody here who really doesn't know Jesus in an intimate way, does not talk with him and know that he walks with you and know that he tells you that he is yours, you need to make sure that you get your business fixed. If you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. 
They that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. 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 Well, amen. I think the Lord has has blessed. I know the Lord has really blessed us today. Amen. Amen. Well, if all hearts and minds are clear, uh, one thing real quick to remind the uh, New Zion, we're going to have a meeting after the benediction right over here to talk about some things of importance regarding our church infrastructure. Amen. Amen. Well, if, if there's no, nothing, everything, hearts and minds are, oh, wait a minute. Sister Beth never made it. Um, I got a couple of things from Sister Erica she handed to me um, that were for Sister Beth to give. Let's see here. Sister Erica is, um, is, is working with political activism. She wants to uh, eventually be the Secretary of State. Amen. Amen. Good and noble goals to get somebody that knows the Lord to be in these positions. Amen. Amen. Lord, and let's pray that that she stays straight. Amen. And don't let this world get her to conform to anything as well. Amen. Uh, A couple of things that she was sending out there. She's doing some stuff for uh, um, uh, I still call him Pastor Cleaver. Uh, Amen. he, she's working for him, and they are having a, a goodies and fun event on the 31st, amen, from 5.30 to 7 at, uh, at the Cleaver for Congress campaign office at 3600 Broadway Avenue, uh, Suite 108 uh, here in Kansas City, of course, amen. And also, um, with uh, Congressman Emmanuel Cleaver, amen, um, and I still call him Pastor Cleaver. Amen. Um, pizza and politics, it looks like that's on Thursday, October 30th from 2 p.m. to 3.30 p.m. at Pizza 51. Pizza 51. Pizza 51 is at 5060 Oak Street. Amen. Kansas City, Missouri. Amen. All right. Well, after that, amen. Of all hearts and minds are clear. Amen. Let us stand for our benediction. Amen. Where he leads me your name, Master, for another opportunity to come together with our brothers and sisters and lift up your holy name. 
Lord, thank you for breakthroughs today. Lord, thank you for prayer, oh God. Lord, thank you for letting us into the throne room of grace. Lord, thank you for your presence in this place. Lord, you said that you would inhabit the praises of your people. And Lord, we have truly felt you today. Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I ask that you bless our offering today, oh God. Lord, bless our tithes, oh God. Lord, bless our hearts to use it as you would have us to do to do kingdom business, Lord. Lord, help us to stay on the straight and narrow. Help us to stay on the expedient, Lord, because time is running out. But in the name of Jesus, Lord, bless every soul under the sound of my voice, Lord. And whatever they need, oh God, Lord, be their comfort. Lord, be their direction. Lord, be their bridge over troubled waters, oh God. In the name of Jesus. And Lord, as we go into our meeting, oh God, Lord, be with us, Lord, to allow me to speak clearly and effectively and without error, oh God. And Lord, touch us to come on one accord as we begin to discuss. Lord, thank you for every saint, oh God. Lord, thank you for all that they are doing, Lord, and all that we will do. Lord, in the blessed name of Jesus, we ask all these things and the whole church saying, Amen. Please be seated and obey the ushers. Amen.